to thank God for our praise team to lead us in that last song to remind us the battle belongs to the Lord. And so when we fight, we fight where? On our knees, because we know that prayer has the ability to pull down strongholds, and we continue to pray that God would would help us in our times of need. Thank you so much for being here on this Sunday morning. To all of our guests, I want to reiterate uh, the welcome that went out earlier. You are so welcome, so glad you are with us as we center our attention on God who is worthy to be praised, because this is the day the Lord has made, and we ought to rejoice and be and be glad in it. Indeed, we are striving to do just that, knowing that God is still with us. On this morning, I invite your attention to that 139th number of the psalm. I invite you to join me in your copy of God's Word, your app, uh, whatever you have that would uh, be able to show you the words of the sacred text. Uh, This morning's message is going to come from that 139th number of the psalm. When you find it, you'll see words similar to these. I'll begin with verse 1. David writes, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written... Every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sands. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, somebody should have heard that part. I'm awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, 
and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let me repeat that first verse into your hearing. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. Father, as we are in your presence and we are directing our attention to your word, we humbly ask that you would uh, impart the truth to our lives, that it might stick, that it might uh, develop roots, that it might take up space, Father, that your glory might be seen through our lives, that we might leave here encouraged, that those who do not know you will come to know you and your love through our time together, that you would be glorified, that the saints would be edified, Father, that, that we would continue to celebrate your goodness each and every day that you've given us to live. Now incline our ears to hear the truth of your word is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I was, during the greeting time, I often go around and um, have the blessed privilege of connecting with, with some of you. Um, I, uh, my desire is to connect with each of you, but uh, time doesn't always permit that. Uh, just like time won't permit for me to truly deal with the entire psalm. So those of you, it was your first time, you heard the reading, you might have looked at your watch while I was reading the psalm. I, I want to encourage you, uh, I hopefully encourage you, uh, if time permitted, we would cover all of the psalms. So in your private time, your time of meditation, I encourage you to dig deep into this psalm that will give you encouragement in some of your most darkest and dismal hours. This is a psalm of encouragement. It's really a song uh, that is scripted by David, who, has, who knows something, a little something about dysfunction. I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but, uh, you know, this, as I was shaking your hands, uh, uh, many of you were lamenting uh, with, with, along with me how difficult this week has been. How trying as we hear of devastation all around us. To the degree, even in our home state, it's, it's been a difficult week. Much time and, and prayer and deliberation has gone over those impacted by the murderous mayhem that continues to seem to be pervasive, both privately and publicly within our society. Can, can I be honest with you? You know I'm going to do it. I have the mic. But my heart aches. Not, not, not just my heart. I, I'm sure so many hearts ache at the horrent atrocities that uh, seem unending. And then the, the seeming apathy of some that lack affection to really want to bring out lasting change. I grieve, just as you with all that is happening in our society. But I come this morning not, not with a sermon. Pastor, I, I know you're here, and I'm so, so glad you're with us on this Sunday morning. I, I come with a message. And the message, Anthony, for us is to remind us that God is here. 
that he is available to each and every. Is this mic on? Let me check for a moment. God, God is here. He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't um, distanced himself from us. In light of all that has happened in our lives and through our lives, there is one thing that remains true, and that is the faithfulness of God. And if you don't hear anything else that I tell you, I want you to hear me tell you God is available for you. That he is. I mean, we need him with the society that we live in. No doubt, no wonder why psychologists have diagnosed uh, a large majority of Americans to be living in a perpetual state of trauma and going into deepening depression. Major depression disorder is the leading cause of disabilities in the United States between the ages of 15 and 44. And of that, only 61% are receiving treatment. Depression, discouragement. You know, if we're honest about it, some of us have, have spent some time there. We don't like to talk about that in church, do we? But have you ever been in one of those low places where it seemed like everything is going in the wrong direction? That's really where the psalmist is. And for many of us, depression and discouragement may feel like God is distant or disconnected. I, I want to just, just talk to you on this morning. I, I want you to know that, that, that God knows where you are. He knows your heart. He knows your hurt. He knows your pain. And, and he compassionately calls you to know his heart. That God is inviting you to get intimately close with him. You know, because he created you. And so today, I, in light of the theme that our senior pastor, Pastor Jared, has, has um, so, so wonderfully led us through in this series of face-to-face, I, I want us to address it from uh, a slightly different perspective. He uh, is traveling on vacation, and we're praying for he and Debbie that, that it's going to be a wonderful time of renewal and refreshment for them. Um, but I want us to look at this. We've been talking about relationships. We have been looking at our relationships with our parents and as parents with our children and as spouses with one another. But, but today, in, in light of everything, I, I want to address this with this series in our minds, but address it from a different perspective because I want to challenge you. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a warning. Here's my disclaimer, okay? This may seem individually intrusive. This may seem like I'm probing uh, a bit, but I am going to challenge you with God's Word. I want to challenge you here to remove the mask and look into the mirror of God's Word. All of us come in here with with a mask where, where it, it's, it's filled with smiles, but the truth behind that mask on the inside, some of us, if we're honest about it, we're, we're hurting on the inside. We're, we're struggling from moment to moment and, and day to day. And I, I want to encourage you today to let you know that God knows exactly where, where you are. Now, Anthony, I told myself in my time of meditation that I would uh, be conversational. But if I slip into preacher mode, uh, well, that's just what God called me to be. So that's, that's just what it is. Um, but, but I want to propose to you to 
to look with me beneath the mass. Today I invite you to be challenged to see the you that God knows. I, I want to challenge us, Hillary. I, I want to challenge us to, to see ourselves the way God sees us. Verse 1, in all the relationships, you also have that relationship with yourself, okay? I, that, that's where we're going here. And I, I want to challenge us to come face-to-face with ourselves. I, I'm not talking about the gram self. I'm not talking about the Instagram self or the profile. No, I, I want to get beneath, just a deeper, if you don't mind, with the real you. The you that you know that God knows about you. Anybody want to leave yet? Notice what the text says. Princess, it, it, it says in verse 1, he says, Oh, Lord, what an expression to make when you realize what he's saying. Oh, Lord, you, you, you've searched me. That, that's past tense. It's, it's done. It's completed. He says, and you have known me. Right. On the outset, I, I want to help us to understand that if we don't know it just yet, The truth is that there is nothing about you that God doesn't know. I know there's there's a pause there because sometimes that can create some trepidation in our lives, Brother Doug, because we know what we do know about ourselves. And just the idea that God knows what we know about ourselves is enough to cause um, some concern. Oh, you act like you haven't done anything that would cause some concern. And yet, in all that God knows of us, he invites us to know him. Because, Angie, what is really true of God is that God is omniscient. Now, now, David is not writing this uh, text uh, for, uh, as a theological treatise, but, treatise, but we, we can lift up some truths of God's character and person and being uh, from the text where he says, you, you know me, you've known me, nothing about me, David says, God, you don't know. So let's go ahead, since you don't want to talk about your history, let me pull back a little bit, Sister Paulette, in David's history, because David knows something about dysfunction. David knows what it means to grow up in a dysfunctional household. How do we know that his, his household is dysfunctional? Because when you follow, follow the trajectory of his life, you realize that he lived in a house where his father didn't even give him credit when the prophet was coming to find out who the next leader of Israel would be. When he was coming to find out who the next leader of Israel would be, his father, David's father, brings, brings everyone up with the exception of David. So David knows what it means to not be uh, counted in your own house. He knows what it means to be ignored or devalued or, or, or subjugated uh, to less than in the living environment. He, he, he's familiar with dysfunction. And even in the context of our text, while he's writing this song in prayer, scholars say he's still going through a dysfunctional time because there's unrest in the nation that he is leading. And in the midst of his country, if you would, uh, he is seeing unrest all about him. And his son is trying to annex uh, the throne by, by taking it from his father. He's on the run, filled with dysfunction all around him, but yet he still writes with a confidence that God knows him. 
And I, I really hope you get this. Look what he says. He says, Lord, you have searched me. You have known me. You, you, you know everything there is about me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts. Check this out. He says, God, you know me so well that you know my movements. You know my manners. You know my mannerism. You, you know, dear God, my motives. Uh, oh, come on here. He says, God, you, you know. You know the words before I speak them. You, you know me. You know me fully and thoroughly. God knows you. I, I got to press this. He knows the inner you. He knows the core that's you. No matter what others say about you or people might perceive of you, God knows the true, the real you that he's purposely made, intentionally crafted, that God knows the you that you are supposed to be. God knows the you that he created you to be. God knows the you that you, you have yet to be. Did I tell you God knows you? Uh, he, he, know, he knows you. He knows you. Um, there, were, there were two scientists back in the 1950s, um, two psychologists had, had come up with what we, uh, a development for self-awareness, and they used as an illustration what we call the Jahari window. The Jahari window uh, is what they use, and, and I asked uh, our media team to pull that window up because in the window, they divided it into four panes, and that first pane of self-awareness is what is called the open self. Well, the open self is the information about yourself that you and Shannon others know. That, that's the open self. It's the public self. It's what others see. But then the lower pain just under the open self is the hidden self. And that's the information you know about yourself, but others don't know. You ought to say amen right there, right, right, right along through there. Because if your neighbor knew everything there was to know, would they still be your neighbor? But then there's the, the blind self, Fred. And that blind self is what, what the information that others know about you that you are not aware of yourself. And, and fourthly, there's the unknown self, that fourth pain. And, and this information about you is information you nor others know about you. Oh, you, you haven't met that self? You haven't been in a place, in a situation where you said, I never thought I would do that. Okay, let me, they, 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 they don't get it just yet. Have you been there? Where you've been in a situation where you, said, uh, where you said, I'll never do that, and then you found yourself doing the very thing you said you would? You never do? Because the truth is, as much as we strive, Alan, to, to know ourselves, Sherry, we don't know ourselves as well as God knows you. Because there are no blind spots with God. God knows all there is to know about you. God knows all there is to know with you. And God loves you. Somebody, you need to hear me say that again. That with all that God knows, God knows the best of you. And God loves you intimately knows you and welcomes you to come and intimately know him. He says, you, you know me. You, you've, you've hemmed me in. You, you've, verse 5, he says, you've hemmed me in behind and before, and you lay your hand on me. I, 
I hope you see this because when you place your trust in God, you get to know him, not just theologically. You get to know him intimately, personally, and you know him as a personal God. Look at David's language here. He says, not only did you hem me in, not only am I in a place where I can't really get away or get out, he says, but your hand is upon me. Do you see how personal God is? God is so personal that, that he'll put his hands on you. He'll, he'll guide you. He'll keep you. He'll guard you. Somebody knows what it means to have God's hands on you because when God's hands on you, you know then that, that you are well insulated. You are well protected. Okay, I'm going to say it this way. I see some young people in the congregation, and every now and then I, I feel an urge, a responsibility to talk to the little kids as well as the kids at heart, to the adults as well as the children. So let me holler at the children just for a moment here. Uh, you ever played with Play-Doh before? I heard you. Yeah, that's right. I love Play-Doh. I, I, I like the smell of it, you know, just, just something, about, something about that Play-Doh. Uh, it's not good to taste, though. Just a disclaimer. Don't, 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 don't put him out. But, but, uh, but I love Play-Doh. And one thing I love about Play-Doh is that when you play with it, there's evidence that you've been playing with it, evidence that your hand has been on it. Because everywhere you touch the Play-Doh is a fingerprint that's left. And some of you right now, if you're honest about yourself and you look back over your life and you see all that you've been through, all the struggle, all the upheavals, everything that you've gone through, you can look back and say, you know what? I see God's fingerprints all over my life. God's hand is upon me. He says, says your hand is on me. and You're, you're guiding me. This, this is a God who's personally involved, um, but, but also, also it answers the question for us, um, and that is, how close is God to me? I really hope you see this because in all that you go through, sometimes you might feel or believe or be, be prone to be tempted to believe because the enemy will come and try to tempt you and steal your joy and steal your peace. You'll be prone to believe that God is disconnected from you. You'll be prone to believe that God is distant from you when the truth is that God is so faithful that he's true to his word. Our Savior says, no matter what's going on, Muhammad, he says, I'll never leave you nor will I forsake you. This is what we have from the promises of God, that God is indeed with us even when we choose to not be with him. I'm still in text because after David says, you know, this, uh, this knowledge is too wonderful, verse 6 for me, he then goes on to say, um, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? He says, if I go the furthest north, the highest to the highest heavens, guess what? You're there. He says, if I go to the lowest depths, he says, yeah, you're there too. If, if I make my bed in Sheol, the, the place of the dead, he says, guess what? You're there. He says, if I take up wings and I go to a place of isolation, guess what? You are still there. This reminds us that, that, that not only does God know us, but that God isn't distant from us, but he's close to us because even when it feels like I'm distant or when it feels like I'm dealing with death in a relationship or death in a home or death in reality, guess what? God is still near me. But what grips me with the text is that 12 verse. is when he says, um, surely darkness will cover me and light, 11, will cover me and light about me be night. He says, but even the darkness 
is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. Come here. If you're in a dark place, I need to talk to you just for a moment. I, I, I want to just lean in just for a moment to let you know just how valuable you are to God, just how worthy you are to God, just how much God loves and cares for you, that even when you are in a dark place and you feel like you're separated from everything and no one really knows what's going on in the midnight hour, you're crying yourself to sleep and your heart is breaking and you feel like no one can relate and no one knows, guess what? God knows and he is there. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm trying here. The rally is, is because, because God, God sometimes does his best work when it gets dark. Okay, you're not with me just yet here. I'm in Genesis now. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless, without void, was void, and darkness hovered over the face of the deep. And God said, Let there be light. I, I can't finish Psalms, so I know I won't finish Genesis, but here's the deal. God does his best work because before he created, light. He created the heavens and earth. I'm getting excited already. That before light came, he created heaven and earth. And if God can create heaven and earth in the dark, when you're in your dark place, God is still creating something on your behalf. Why? Because God loves you. And, and he, he welcomes you because he, he values you. He values you because he's the one who created you. He calls you because he created you to be loved. I hope you get that. Uh, that. That he created you that you might be receptive to his love for you. He, he, you, you. You're longing for something, and what you're longing for is the love of God. And so look what the psalmist says. He says, I praise you, verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and here's, here's what gets me, and my soul knows it very well. This, this, this is where God wants you to be, that, that, that you would know just how close he is to you, that, that you would know just how valuable you are to God, that you are made by God carefully and intentionally, that God made you purposefully, and he made you to receive his love. And he says, wonderful are these works. But, but he says, my soul knows it very well. See, I told you, you're valuable to God. You, you're seen by God. God's close to you. God deems you worthy of his love, so he gave his all for you. So if how you see yourself deviates in any way from how God sees you, you're wrong. Because the way God sees you is the way God desires for you to see yourself. Write down Ephesians chapter 1. We, we have to go. We're going to celebrate um, life change in just a moment. Ephesians chapter 1, 
I just want you to write it down. When you go through Ephesians chapter 1, you'll see how the Word of God defines you. That when you, In Ephesians chapter 1, he defines you as one that's being chosen, someone who is loved, someone who's redeemed, someone who's forgiven. And if I call your name uh, in this, uh, go ahead and make some noise in here. It's someone who is desired. He called you out from the darkness into the marvel. When you read Ephesians 1, you'll see someone who is loved, someone who God exhibits patience with, someone who God is his gentleness with, someone who God has forgiven, not just one time, but over and over and over and over and over again. Why? Because he says you are valuable to him. So whenever your mind tells you differently, whenever words of others tell you differently, I, I want you to hear what God's word says about you. And that your soul would know it very well. Uh, if you had a little more time, but I'll end this way. Verse 18, he says, I awake and I am still with you. That if God is attentive to me when I wasn't even aware of him, and then he awakens me to know just how much he loves me, then every day, no matter what happens, I can wake up to brand new mercies. Every day, I have a reason to rejoice. Every day, I can celebrate. That doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. If you live long enough, you realize that bad things do happen. But guess what? Bad things aren't the only things that happen. No, no. I love the saints of old who, who got enough joy to say, you know what? I praise him because he woke me up this morning. And if you can't stand all over the building, just, just, just stand. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.